3: Pursuit of Happiness Radio is deluxe. Liberty and freedom will make you smile. The Pursuit of Happiness on your radio dial. Just as cheeseburgers and liberty fries. It's Pursuit of Happiness time.
0: On this day... On this day in 1980, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, as you're probably familiar with them, was first incorporated. Ironically, 27 baby seals were accidentally killed in the process. Or was it an accident? Hi, greetings kids. It's Kenny Webster. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Monday edition a Pursuit of Happiness. As a lot of you know, I was back on Friday. The, the morning show was off for several days last week, but I still came in and did the afternoon show for a couple of days. I just... I just love being here that much. That's how much I don't like going on vacation. That's how much I'd rather be with you. So, thank you so much for tuning in. Lots going on on the show today. My buddy Don Huffines from the Huffines Liberty Foundation coming up in a little bit. He was just hanging out with Ron Paul this weekend at Ron Paul in the Ron Paul Institute. They had a little event. We'll talk about that. Wouldn't you like to know what happened this weekend with Ron Paul? I'll give you all the details. And if you're curious about what's going on with Lena Hidalgo, Charles Blaine is stopping by. Charles Blaine is a good friend of mine from a website called urbanreform.org. Okay, well, he's not from the website. He's from Earth. He's a human being. He exists on planet Earth, but he um, he has a lot of inside knowledge about what actually takes place in Houston government and Harris County's commissioner's court. And he, interestingly enough, he writes op-eds for the Houston Chronicle, but don't hold it against him. He's one of the only conservatives writing articles he he runs a nonprofit group that seeks to find fiscal conservative solutions for any inner city problems he's a great guy he's a good friend of mine we, we were eating lunch this weekend talking a bit he's going to be stopping by this afternoon and brandon morris stopping by from redstate.com we'll get to all that but first let's start off with this like a lot of you this weekend my attention was turned towards what's taking place in maui just awful there 96 people dead Fires taking place. I don't know a lot about Maui. I've I've never been to Hawaii before. I don't claim to know a lot about the island. But, you know, I get it. It's the 50th state. It's a beautiful tropical paradise. There's a big wage gap there between the haves and have-nots, the, the poor and the rich. Seems to be an island where you're either on welfare or you're a multimillionaire and there's almost nobody in between the middle there. And the Maui wildfires have killed at least 96 people. We believe this was all caused by damaged hawaiian electric power lines amazingly the stock has plunged 40 percent now because people assume they're going to get sued and they're going to have to cough up a big chunk of money so that's a publicly traded company if you invested in it probably probably should have already sold your stock by now i assume but i guess you probably you know if you're invested in a hawaiian power company Odds are you probably have bigger things to worry about because it probably means you're invested in other things on that island, and there's a lot of sad stuff going on there. Maui officials and scientists are warning that after the flames flicker out, toxic particles are going to remain. We'll get back to that in just a little bit. We'll talk about that in one second. But before we do, something I always find remarkable when there's a big tragedy like this is people want to be outraged. They want to be upset. They want to find somebody to blame. But they always blame the wrong person, don't they? So displaced outrage seems to be very common in the wake of these kinds of tragedies stevie Nicks is being publicly attacked right now after she made some comments about how her home on the island of maui was in danger of burning down i guess she's lived there since the 1980s and she recently had some family come and visit there and she made some comments. She said, uh, to make this situation even worse, my young niece, her husband and their little boy had just arrived for a very needed vacation before she started up her school year for 10 days. They had one and a half days of fun and then the fire started. And so, as you could probably guess, people are now mad at Stevie Nicks because she made some comment about how her family member's vacation was ruined while other people's homes are ruined and destroyed. I don't think Stevie Nicks is intention was to marginalize the victims of the fire she was just making a comment about what happened to be going on with her at the moment in much the same respect socialite reality tv star paris hilton i guess she's vacationing in hawaii right now she posted some photos of herself on a boat in a bikini as you would expect paris hilton to do now people are upset at her the 42 year old reality tv star staying at a resort about 30 miles from the town where the flames are at, and people are saying, you know, it's probably not the right time for you to post your vacation photos. But again, Stevie Nicks, Paris Hilton, fine, you can like them or not like them, but you understand they have no effect on your life. They're not elected officials. They're not public leaders. They're celebrities. And if you're mad at them, I've got to ask, what are your thoughts on Joe Biden's reaction to what's going on in Maui right now? Joe Biden was asked by a Bloomberg reporter over the weekend what he thought about the fires in in Hawaii, and his response was pretty head-scratching. This seemed like an easy question to be asked. It seems like an easy win for the president. All you've got to do is say, yeah, our our thoughts and prayers are with them. Our hearts are in Hawaii right now. Pray for the victims of the fire. That's all you had to do. He couldn't do it. They asked him what he thought about the fire in Maui. He said, no comment. No comment. You have 96 people just died. And again, to repeat a point I just made moments ago, toxic particles are going to remain behind after this fire. Joe Biden dropped the ball. It's not the first time he did this. Y'all remember, he never visited East Palestine, Ohio. I mean, talk about toxic chemicals. A train derailment there caused an Aaron Brockovich-type situation in which people's hair was falling out, their pets and livestock were dying, they couldn't drink the water. Joe Biden never showed up to rural Ohio. Well, why would he? It's Trump country. But of all the times when Joe dropped the ball on us, of all the times when Joe was really a disappointment as a leader, just I'm just talking about since taking the presidency. This isn't about Hunter Biden. It's not about Ukraine, although apparently he wants another $25 billion for them. I've got to think of all the times when he dropped the ball The Kabul airport, the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. You understand those dead Marines. those 2013 troops died. And they brought their bodies home in a casket, and Joe Biden is looking at his wristwatch. Looking at his wristwatch. The liberal media actually tried to defend him for that. There's a new book that's about to be published that details how the U.S. relied on the Taliban for security during the exit from the Kabul airport. Military leaders, commanders in our military, had intelligence about a suicide attack that was planned on the Kabul airport by ISIS and al-Qaeda terrorists, but they vetoed a drone strike twice because of the Taliban's negative response. We let the Taliban decide if we would save American servicemen and women. The Taliban also never acted on a request to raid a hotel used by ISIS terrorists, but no, no surprise there. Why would they? Why would... Islamic extremists want to help America stop other Islamic extremists. So as you look at what's going on in Hawaii, or what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, or what took place in Afghanistan in the summer of 2021, all you could do is wonder how long until the next one of these incidents happens. Judging by the look on Joe Biden's face as he stares down at his wristwatch, I'm guessing it won't be long.
1: They say whenever you lose sight of the enemy, look behind you. Yeah, that's some bad paranoia right there. Probably brought on by a bong rip or two. Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness. Check, check, check.
0: You don't have to be from Texas to realize how bad things are at the border. But for the record, they're pretty bad. 40,000 migrants apprehended along the southwest border in the first 10 days of August alone. And another report today about a migrant child dying on the Texas border on a, a, a bus to Chicago. Yeah, that, that just happened. You, you think this is a humanitarian thing, having these open border policies or... Whatever you choose to call it, you know, my buddy Brandon Darby, one of the senior one of the editors at Breitbart dot com, he doesn't like to call it an open border. He calls it an unprotected border. It's like, okay, fine. Semantics. You know, Brandon's a friend. I don't mean to criticize him. But whether you call it an unprotected border or an open border, it's what liberals wanted. And migrant kids are dying there. Just absolutely terrifying. Meanwhile, U.S. Representative Chip Roy has a solution. He wants to defund the D.H.S over the border failure now you might think to yourself well kenny if the border's so bad why would we want to take funding away from the border patrol because the border patrol is standing around handing out capri suns and lunchables they're not stopping migrants from crossing over the border oddly enough it's the governor of texas a guy with almost no legal authority to stop illegal immigration that's doing the most right now and you guys know i've been a very big critic of abbott but those border buoy things, the, the barriers, border buoy barriers, there's a fun sentence, uh, those are doing more to deter illegal immigrants right now than the DHS is. So as Chip Roy is joined by a whole bunch of Republicans around the state, including Wesley Hunt and others, not Dan Crenshaw, I might add, asking to defund the DHS, is it really that bad of an idea? I mean, you tell me. What, for the billions of dollars we give to the Department of Homeland Security, what are we getting out of it? It's a good question. It's a question I'd love to ask my next guest, my good buddy Don Huffines, a good friend of mine, um, one of my brothers from the Liberty Institution, the Huffines Liberty Foundation. Don, defunding the DHS, your thoughts?
2: Hey, hello Kenny. You're such a great patriot. I just think that's a long-term process. And let's be realistic, we don't Republicans don't control the Senate, and certainly that makes it very difficult. And of course, the president can veto that, that budget, but they could jam up the budget up there in D.C. There's no doubt about it if they've got the political courage to do it. But uh, I don't know. The, the conservatives, you know, we, we've got a uh, Republicans have a five-member, you know, five-vote majority in the House. And and you just don't have a lot. You got a lot of rhinos up there. I just think that's not going to work. It makes good. It makes good headlines uh, for some of us, but I just don't think the practicality of it making a difference is is out there.
0: All right. What what do you see that is working right now? What do you you've been one of Abbott's big biggest, biggest, biggest critics, just like I have. But the border buoy barriers, as controversial as they've become. I mean, they seem to be slowing down illegal migration. We haven't really seen any official reports yet since they went up on how much they're deterring illegal immigration. But I will say this. They seem to be upsetting people like Sheila Jackson Lee. And anytime she's upset, I would say that's probably a step in the right direction in terms of policies and and, and, and effective use of stopping illegal immigration.
2: No, I agree with that. Yeah, the louder the leftist squeal, the happier we all get. Uh, but look, it's a thousand uh, I think it's a thousand feet of buoys and, and the barrier and and uh, it's probably quite effective where it is. But we have over twelve hundred miles of a border, so I mean, in the uh, with Mexico, so we got a long way to go before that deal is going to really work out. And we're spending Texas taxpayers are spending billions of dollars a year. And let me just point out something. I want to ask this rhetorical question sure. to everybody. Why would the federal, the, the Democrats, and the socialists secure that border? They're just not going to. They have no incentive to do that because the open border is what made California go red, I mean, go blue. California was red. They opened the border, they flooded California over the last decades with illegals. It's solidly blue. Same with Arizona now. Arizona's blue, New Mexico's blue, we're the last border state, we're the last one standing, Texas is, that's, that's red, and it's very precarious. They know this is a very premeditated uh, policy by the left, uh, teamed up with the Mexican government and the Central American governments. They have no conservatives ever in Central America and Mexico all the way down. Those countries are run by socialists and communists since they've won their independence from Spain. They know if they keep that border open with Texas, Texas will go blue. It's inevitable. I want people to realize that 20% of the students in the government school system in Texas, of 5.5 million kids, come from a household that don't speak English.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: And, And so... This is this is a concerted effort. I can assure you that Democrats will never secure that border. They're sitting back. They're very patient. The communists and the Marxists and the leftists, they know Texas will be blue. It's inevitable.
0: All right. Now, obviously, voting is important. But g- given the fact that we don't have an election this week, and I'm, we know how much transparency doesn't exist in our elections, how weird and suspicious and murky these things have become, between now and the next election... Given our resources on a local, state, and federal level, what can we do? Considering that we don't control the federal government, we barely control the House of Representatives, the Supreme Court, that's uh, been a boondoggle lately, and, uh, and of course, even in the state of Texas, with guys like Dade Phelan in charge, Ken Paxton can't do much right now. What's our best hope?
2: Well, it's to really give our elected uh, leaders in, in, in Texas uh, political courage and when we and when we ignore it and it when we don't buck them up they're not going to do anything because the, the the nature of politics is to go the least path of least resistance unless they're incredibly courageous and we don't have that but what well, this this game is almost over, Kenny. It really is. I hate to say that, but if we lose Texas, we lose the free world. We will lose Texas. You cannot flood us with millions of illegals. They will all vote. There's no question. It's just a matter of when, and uh, and, and we're going to be uh, blue. There's no doubt that this is going to be a socialist state, and we're going to wake up and say, what happened? And I'm telling you what happens. I'm telling you what's going to happen. I'm telling all your listeners, and so— We've got to give courage. The only chance we have is not to ask permission from the federal government, take control of the situation, and deal with it, and let the chips fall where they may. But we have to secure and close that border down. It's as simple as that. And we either do it now or we never do it.
0: Don, perfectly explained, my man. Hey, you've been pretty busy lately. You were actually, if I'm not mistaken, you were just at the – ron paul uh the the ron paul institute conference and you gave a speech there about how to prevent the next lockdown i'm curious how did that go any news from there
2: oh yeah it was tons of fun he's such a he's such a hero of mine you know ron paul is and i always point out he did more for the modern politics he's had a bigger impact on modern politics than any other single individual in in And he he lit the prairie fire of liberty. He really did, and it, it's second to none to anyone. Uh, so I'm I'm a huge fan. I have been for 30 years, uh, but it was a great honor to speak there and and get everybody uh, pumped up about liberty and and what they can do, and and just reminding folks of the liberty that we lost, and we easily forget that. But what happened to us in this man-made virus? Uh, was released uh, to to uh, to the whole world. Um this is what the deep state can do. This is what they did and and to think that's not going to happen again is uh, very naive.
0: Boy, that is such a good point. Don, I see people wearing masks still. I mean again or still, I don't know if they ever took them off. I hear people talking on MSNBC and CNN, they're telling you to put your masks back on again. Here in Houston, Dr. Peter Hotez going on and on about booster shots. It feels like they want another pandemic. I mean, they want one, right? The vaccines didn't work. The masks didn't work. The lockdowns didn't work. We all know it. Early on, you were we were all called conspiracy theorists for pointing that stuff out. Nobody thinks it's a conspiracy anymore to suggest that Man, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not a theory anymore. I guess it is a conspiracy, but it certainly isn't a theory that the masks didn't work. They were trying to get us to conform to their agenda. And, of course, now they 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 do want to bring back another pandemic they do want to bring back more lockdowns i'm seeing it am i the only one that sees this
2: no i see it <laughs> i think we all see it kenny look these, that's just the nature of the deep state it's the nature of government is to control people every chance they get and and i think they were extremely surprised at how com- complacent and compliant uh americans were i think they were shocked by that who would have thought americans would have run around face diapers on their face and and take vaccines that had never been really vetted out whether they were safe or not and buy into their in, into what happened and and we did and the good news on that though kenny is that i think that people now have woken up to the fact that that The government is liars, and it's full of liars, and it always has been. And as a patriot, we've got not just an obligation to, I mean, authority to question government. We've got an obligation to question government and, and do not believe anything the government says, whether you agree with it or not, but we, uh, because they do not have our best interests at heart, unfortunately.
0: The voice you're hearing right now, probably very familiar to, to a lot of you if you listen to this show regularly, Don Huffines, HuffinesLiberty.com, the Huffines Liberty Foundation. Don, what's been going on with your group lately?
2: Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're having fun. That's what we're trying to point out to everybody, uh, you know, what the legislature did in Austin on the property tax. We spent a lot of energy and, and effort on that, and we've got a new op-ed coming out showing that, uh, that I think people will be surprised with because of the... Of the misdirection, our leaders in Austin have been giving us the largest property tax cut in history, and things like that. And that's just absolutely not true. I hate to call it a lie, but it is because they know they were being deceitful when they said that eighteen billion. It's really only twelve billion. And and the bottom line is, unfortunately, uh, with the if we feel like it's the the true bottom line uh, difference is is less than 2 or 3 billion uh that the taxpayers are actually going to save over a 2 or 3 year period uh but you know hey it was better than nothing it was a big disappointment it was a swing and a miss of what could have happened with that huge bu- budget surplus that we have uh but um, at least they, at least i think they're paying attention and i think our campaign for governor uh, drove that home and Because uh, we really wanted to eliminate the school tax, and it's very possible without raising a tax or creating a new tax. And the governor got on board with that. Abbott was, you know, in his debate with Beto was talking about it. He was talking about it uh, over the last year, and then he's acquiesced to the Senate's plan, which uh, doesn't, uh, does or the House plan, which doesn't do that.
0: I've said it before. I'll say it again. Don't blame me. I voted for Don Huffines.
2: Hey. Great. <laughs> my brother That's because, oh, you did, Kenny. You did because you're highly intelligent.
0: Well, thank you. <laughs> I feel the same way about you. That's my good buddy, Don huffines Find him on Twitter. Check out his website, huffinesliberty.com.
1: Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness, where we certainly realize we're a heart attack away from President Kamala.
0: Scary. That is terrifying. We'll be right back. Celebrate International Cat Day. Fancy Feast, the pet food company, made cat food for humans. The recipe calls for taking a normal can of Fancy Feast and then serving it to humans. Yum! Mmm, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Still, I can't think about cat food without having the thought cross my mind that your cat probably wants to eat you. I know, it's not fun to think about. Your dog wouldn't eat you. No, but your cat wants to. That's just the way it is. Hey, speaking of uncontrolled violence, did you guys see that video? You've all seen the video at this point of the Montgomery-Alabama riverboat fight. It's absolutely bananas. It's bonkers. Crazy video. And as you're watching it, you can't avoid focusing in on the guy with the folding chair. Professional wrestling got upstaged last week by that Alabama riverboat brawl. And now people are trying to find the man who was whacking people with that now internet famous folding chair
1: looking for the latest in self-defense gone are the days of stun guns and pepper spray when the fight comes to you don't take it sitting down get yourself a folding chair made famous in the rings of professional wrestling a folding chair can be the reason why you're the only one left standing made with a durable steel frame every folding chair comes with two easy to grip handles and a large flat surface to make sure you hit your target every time Next time, tell Karen to take a seat with a folding chair. Available at cookouts, cafeterias, wedding venues, and at any dock in the greater Montgomery, Alabama area.
0: I want to share a story with you that was recently shared with me by Casey Chalk at TheFederalist.com. It's a story of a British teacher. Back in June, reprimanded two two 13-year-old students. Said that these students were despicable. Despicable 13-year-olds. Oh, come on. All 13-year-olds are despicable. That's not that shocking. What was their crime? Their offense was asking a simple question. Following an eighth-grade life education class about identity, one of the students asked a classmate, how can you identify as a cat when you're a girl? Remember, these are 13-year-olds. I think the kid probably meant like a human girl because obviously you could have a girl cat, right? The two students disagreed with the lesson, and one of them asserted, if you have a vagina, you're a girl, and if you have a penis, you're a boy. Kind of reminds you of that famous scene from Kindergarten Cop. To those of you that are a little younger, you may not remember that, but a long time ago, Kindergarten Cop was a funny movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Anyway, the teacher told the inquiring students they would no longer be welcome at school if they continued to express this opinion. Really? The problem is, stories like this, they're not anomalies. It's weird, right? You think, wow, that's peculiar. We're punishing kids for saying that having a vagina makes you a girl, and having a penis makes you a boy. But as a lot of Americans know all too well, there is now often a steep price to pay for questioning the zeitgeist when it comes to sexual ideology. The same could be said for racial ideology. If you're a conservative and a deep thinker, you've been maligned. You've been assaulted by the left and their illogical opinions. And it certainly happens in academia all across the spectrum, in social sciences, in humanities, in both. It's just as true for the British as it is for us. 75% of conservative academics say their departments are a hostile environment for their beliefs. This is according to polling data from Newsweek. Conservative students regularly have to self-center, as do conservative federal employees. It's painful to watch, right? It's painful to listen to. And as much as it hurts, those teenage British girls, they're onto something. They employed a rhetorical strategy as ancient as the very beginnings of our philosophical tradition. Socrates used to win debates simply by asking questions. The great Greek philosopher who unveiled the foolishness of his adversaries, not by shouting insults, not by fist pounding, but by asking honest and penetrating questions. If you're a conservative and you've been cornered in a space of conformist ideology, whether it's at a workplace, a government facility, a public school, you would probably do well to master this powerful rhetorical weapon, asking questions. Is it possible for a person, if he knows a thing, at the same time not to know that which he knows? The answer, of course, is no. Socrates knew the answer when he queried his rhetorical sparring partner. I'm speaking, of course, about Plato's Theaetetus. But by pointedly asking Theaetetus, Socrates pushed him to defend an indefensible position. And in doing so, he dismantled the relativism of his day by forcing that person to admit the reality of the law of non-contradiction. And though many people in Athens found Socrates to be stupid and absurd, and they thought he was repulsive, his greatest student, Plato, understood his genius. Here's an interesting quote. I am ashamed before him and before no one else here, for I know in my conscience that I cannot refute him. Sometimes I wish he were no longer among the living. Yet if that should happen, I know I would be even more distraught. I just don't know what to do with this man. He explained this in Symposium. The leadership in Athens did exactly that, by the way. They eventually tried Socrates. They convicted him of corrupting the youth of Athens. They sentenced him to death. Some political philosophers believe the legitimacy of Socrates' trial and the death and his appending traditional Athenian public life remains the most important question of Western civilization. While life seemed very different back then, amazingly, it was, the problems were actually quite similar. Politics always has been and always will be this belligerent determination to empower one's gods, to ram them down the enemy's throat by legal enactment enforced by police military power. That seems a pretty good description of our current political moment, doesn't it? You have students, you have teachers, you have employees regularly coerced to bow down to the most absurd of woke gods of gender, sexual, and racial identity. And woe to those who don't bow. Many face such severe threats to their professional and personal lives that they keep silent rather than oppose the regime's gods. The more our culture is severed from traditional faith and religion and common sense, which gives us meaning, which gives us identity, the more secular society will seek to find belonging in what Elmers calls a holy community of citizens believers. This explains, for example, why the woke faithful are uninterested in charitable debate or persuasion of their opponents, but only seek to dominate. It's why they're against free speech. It's why they're so angry that Elon Musk bought Twitter. Both Socrates and Jesus paid the ultimate price for their intellectual honesty, for their courageous willingness to question the moral norms of their day. Now, their questions may have often hurt and provoked people. But they asked them unparalleled, the unparalleled clarity of mind and generosity and heart. The continued relevance of their lives and the legacy of their thoughts and their teachings suggests that if we want to save our own generation, we might want to start off by asking questions that are difficult to answer.
1: America, the land of taxation that was founded to avoid taxation. Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness.
3: I've been selling my soul, working all day, over time hours, for bullshit, hay so I can sit out here and waste my life away drag back home and drown my troubles away it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me people like you wish I could just wake up and it not be true but it is
0: Of a Virginia know folk know singer, you Oliver Anthony. If you've never heard of him before, don't feel bad. Uh, I would say Oliver Anthony kind of got famous like 48 hours ago. Before this past weekend, I don't think most people knew who who he was. And then this video for the song "Rich Men North of Richmond" went viral. Now you understand "Rich Men North of Richmond." You get what that is, right?
3: I wish politicians would look out for minors. Not just miners on an island somewhere.
0: Ooh, that's such a good lyric. He's talking about Epstein. He's talking about Washington, D.C. and politicians. And this guy's obviously leans a bit to the right. At least it certainly sounds that way. Oliver Anthony. It's always cool when somebody makes it in the music industry that wasn't trying to play the game. You know, this guy wasn't working with publicists in Nashville, he wasn't touring around the country performing as an opening act for the latest bro country performer no he wasn't doing that at all he was just a guy making songs expressing his opinions and sharing them on youtube and now he's become very successful overnight good for him unfortunately as i believe it was biggie small said mo money mo problems right the more successful you get the more problems you have he is now being publicly attacked by a handful of news outlets even his Wikipedia article I'm looking at right now. Anthony has been supported by conspiracy theorist Joe Rogan and self-described fascist Matt Walsh. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that's, what that, that's what's on his Wikipedia page? The guy just made a song about how it's hard to be poor in America and people in the, the liberal media, the tech world, are actually attacking him for it. I know I'm not the only one that noticed this, My buddy Brandon Morris is a writer, blogger, media media personality, and senior. One of the editors of a great news website called Red State. And Brandon, I just, I don't know. Are you surprised by any of this? The second this guy gets successful, someone notices his fan base is somewhat conservative. And now he's a punching bag for the left.
4: Yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me. I I was actually waiting for it to happen. and It actually happened pretty fast the moment this guy started getting famous and, and people started noticing him, you had sites like Seattle times and Rolling Stone come out and be like, Oh, this song is being, you know, distributed and loved and promoted by right wing influencers. It's now a right wing anthem. And it's like the, the, the thing that they're trying to do, like you can see right through it. What they're trying to do is make it so that people will kind of, shy away from the song because, quote, right-wingers are all about it. Right-wing influencers like Dan Bongino and Matt Walsh, you know, the guy who hates trans people. (laughs) Um, They're they're trying to make it so that no one touches this song anymore, at least wants to promote it or listen to it anymore. They're trying to get people to stay away from it, which is weird. It's weird to me. This song talks about a lot of the problems that Americans are having And the conversations that you and I are having, people like you and me are having, like, you know, outside of the mainstream, you know, controlled conversation area. We're talking about Epstein's Island. We're talking about wanting to see those lists. We're talking about the value of the dollar. We're talking about the failure of Bidenomics. We're talking about the welfare system. This is all stuff that concerns us. This is all stuff that we are getting angry about. Uh, And it's like the miners thing, like that too. It's like we're talking about that. It's really becoming an issue. But they don't want us talking about that. They don't want us to have a song to rally around when it comes to to the angers and frustrations that we have toward the elites. Why are they trying to get us away from this? Why are they trying to make it seem like this is a right-wing thing? It's not a right-wing thing. This is an American thing. This is a conversation that Americans are having, both left and right. But they're trying to make it out to be a right wing influencer thing to make people who aren't on the right seem make it seem like, oh, oh maybe I should be associating with this because you know how they can be, those right wingers. You know how you know how that Matt Walsh and Joe Rogan can be, you know, yeah. with their bigotry Joe, and their hate.
0: Joe Rogan's a moderate. Yeah. He's a centrist. It's crazy, but I, I agree with everything that you're saying. I, I can't I can't help but compare this to some of the other stuff that's happened recently. Sound of Freedom mm-hmm. is this incredibly popular right. movie about child trafficking. And what? that that should not be a partisan issue, Brandon. It should we okay. people on the left should not disagree that trafficking children is bad, and that it's a what? problem and that it exists. But that's exactly what, what happened, right? Sound of Freedom got popular, and CNN comes out and goes, "Oh, this is just some this is just some superhero movie for soccer dads to feel like they're important when they protect their children." And here you read the lyrics to the song "Richmond North of Richmond," and there's a line in it about. Children being sexually exploited on Epstein's Island, right. which is a real right. thing that really happened. it's uh, the biggest case of human trafficking and you know the, the probably the most famous human trafficker of our lifetime. How is it that that's so trivial to people on the left? Why is it a partisan issue?
4: It shouldn't be, but it is because I and and I think we can <clears throat> we can deduce two reasons as to why you know firstly, there are a lot of people who uh, were friends with Jeffrey Epstein that would rather not be associated with Jeffrey Epstein, and for good reason. You know, like there's, there's no way that Bill Clinton would want to get caught up in some scandal that, you know, on a list and appear in a painting in a dress. <laughs> like, like He doesn't want that. That's, that's a headache for the Clintons and anyone associated with the Clintons, and, inc- and especially the entirety of the Democrat Party that worshipped the Clintons. Um, who, who, who knows who is on that client list? Who knows? But many of the elites would rather you not see that client list or even have a clue as to who appears on The other is it's economics. There are people out there <clears throat> who are making art and doing things that people are going to pay attention to that is falling outside of mainstream uh, businesses, studios, um, you know, influencers outside of that little that little circle there and it threatens their bottom line. If we are creating stuff, we the people are creating stuff that we the people want to see, we don't have any use for them and they start to lose power. They start to lose money, they start to lose influence and they can't have that. They do not want that. <clears throat> so they are going to try to denounce it and this is this is a big business. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. You know, And some farmer comes out of the blue and starts threatening that, giving people inspiration and, and making it seem like anybody can come out and become famous by writing a song that we all care about. No, that can't happen. That can't happen. That That is billions of dollars gone. Anthony is a huge problem. And, and rem- I, I wonder, that song came out of nowhere. Like you just said earlier on the show, it, it came out of nowhere. A week ago, He's nobody knew farmer. this guy.
0: Nobody knew who he was. Yeah. And then over the weekend, yeah. he did some performance. He said, the last time I was at the same venue, there were 20 people there. Now there's thousands <clears throat> of people. He's up there on stage reading Bible verses, singing protest songs yeah. for right-wingers.
4: There is something you know very interesting happening for, in this like, country, Brandon. Labels? Yeah. You know how terrifying that is for major labels? Yeah. That somebody can just come out and get, and get the attention and, like, bring up ideas and and, and facts and, and put them into songs that people can identify with and and feel good listening to and not feel like they're alone. That's not supposed to happen. You know, people pay billions and billions and billions of dollars to make themselves stay relevant. These studios, these these met these record labels, they all do this. They spend a lot of money keeping your attention and some guy, some farmer just like you know takes it all away from them. That's scary to them. So naturally they're going to want to denounce them the Rolling Stone magazine Guaranteed that was a paid article by somebody. I don't know who, but guaranteed. They yeah. do it all the time.
0: Of course. No, yeah, absolutely. You know you can pay to be a a Rolling Stone writer. Did you know that, Brandon? You could <laughs> no, you could you right. could pay money to Rolling Stone to have a column on their website and you could talk about anything you want. That's how low they've sunk. But hey, but you know, I people hate when I bring this up, but I, I always felt like Jason Aldean was a little disingenuous. I remember twenty seventeen, the Mandalay Bay mass shooting when he came out and said it's too easy to get a gun, we got to make it harder to get a gun. Fast forward a few mm-hmm. years, he's making a song about how he and Tifa can't riot in small towns. Even still, I defend his right to do it. I think it's great. Um, you know what? Do uh, you, you see some, You must see parallels between this and that. Is is Oliver sure. Anthony like a more authentic version of what Jason Aldean was trying to be, or am I putting words in your mouth? Absolutely. Now?
4: No, 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 no. Absolutely. In fact, I I, I said this before in an article, you know, or I'm sorry, on my on my show. Brandon Morse is is a brand risk on Rumble. Go check it out. Um, Jason Aldean knew what he was doing. He, He had the pulse of the people in that moment. And he knew that people were getting mad. You know, it's a little strange that this song appeared, you know, years after the Black Lives Matter riot happened. But people were still frustrated and angry about it. And we're seeing a lot of this stuff online nowadays, you know, with with, you know, looting and, and violence and all that stuff. So he wrote a song that many people would agree with that, that would voice their frustrations. He knew what he was doing the entire time. Um, And he's a record label guy. He, he's, he's, he's a famous country artist. He knows what people want to hear, especially as many of these other country music stars go out there and start, you know, agreeing with all this leftist stuff. And he made a lot of money off of it and good for him. He did that. He knew he had to do, he he knew what he was doing, whatever. But yes, you are correct. Anthony is a way more pure out of nowhere from the heart version of what Aldean was trying to do. There's no commercialism to it. Could
0: you imagine? Could you imagine if Jason Aldean had put that video out while the Antifa riots of 2020 were actually happening? I mean, that would have been, that would have been a bold thing to do.
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, but I mean, like the fact that it came three years later and it's still like really, it still really hit home. I mean, it proves to you that there is some real anger still and it's, and it's, it's not stopping, you know, nothing happened to make it better and people are still angry about it. And, and so Anthony's song comes out and it's like, wow, you know, this is pure, it's, it's, it's good. And it speaks to us. And it takes this farmer from being just some former drunk to now a, a, a national superstar overnight. Yeah. You know? I don't know. If that, it's, 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 it's any country music artist, any artist whatsoever really wants to tap in and get some money right now, you have your marching orders. That's you it. Have, that's you it. Have yeah. The direction you need to go.
0: Yeah. Next time Vivek Ramaswamy does a rap at a state fair, it's going to have to be. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Brandon Morris, redstate.com. Go look up his work. Follow my buddy Brandon on Twitter. He's a Texan.
1: Kenny has always thought the best things in life are free. Free plus tax, of course. Kenny Webster's Pursuit of Happiness.